where a lady came to the house twice a week and taught me how to read. And that, uh, that took about a year from the middle of sixth grade to the middle of seventh grade. I was reading at a ninth grade level. Um, she went on and she told me, now you just got to apply yourself. But all those years of being teased and tormented by other students, my self-esteem was so low, I didn't apply it. Hi, this is Shlomo Solson, the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and specific strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome any struggle in your life. Whether you are having anxiety, depression, being bullied, relationship issues, I've interviewed over 50 people from around the world on what they've gone through as a teenage kid, how they overcame it, and how you can too. Do you feel like you are at a negative point in your life? Maybe because of quarantine, maybe because of being home all day, maybe because of all the negativity in the news, maybe because of all the things that are being canceled. Do you feel like it's affecting your self-esteem and your confidence? Well, I came out with a new program called Building Resilience 101. It's the best program out there to help you build resilient, become more confident, and help you discover who you are. Because once I discovered who I was as a person is when I started to overcome any difficult challenges in my life. And I want you to do the same. I am providing a 50% discount code for the month of May. The discount code and the link for the course is going to be in the description. So I want you to check it out so you can change your life. Today's podcast guest is Lou Jones. Lou Jones is a youth speaker, youth pastor, and inspires thousands of teenage kids from all around the world. He has a TikTok following of over 25,000 people. Some of his struggles as a teenage kid include not being able to know how to read up until the age of 14, being involved with the wrong crowd where he got involved with drugs and alcohol, and he also experienced bullying. Today's podcast episode is going to be about how Lou overcame all those challenges to inspire so many people around the world. So give it up for Lou Jones. I have Lou tuning in from Texas, man. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Glad to see you. Glad to see you, man. I actually discovered Lou on TikTok, direct message him on uh, Instagram, and right away we had synergy. I'm so blessed to have him on and him share his story and give some valuable information for people who are going through similar struggles. Now, Lou, you said you were illiterate till the age of 14, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. What prevented you from learning how to read up until then? You know, that's a great question. I, uh, it just, I kind of just fell through the system. You know, I grew up in the, uh, I grew up in Detroit Mm -hmm. and went to Detroit public schools and grew up in a single parent household. So it was just me and my mother. And when she discovered that I was having reading problems in the second grade, she transferred me from Detroit public schools to private school and paid thousands of dollars a month to try to help me. And that went on for years and tutors on Saturday and nothing really helped. And it wasn't until uh, I was leaving, um, I I begged her to go to public school, my friends down the street living in Detroit. And so she let me go. So I was going into the sixth grade and she, but at the same time she had a plan. She found a private tutoring program, a charity program where a lady came to the house twice a week and taught me how to read. And that, uh, that, took about a year from the middle of sixth grade to the middle of seventh grade. I was reading at a ninth grade level. Um, she went on and she told me, now you just got to apply yourself. But 
all those years of being teased and tormented by other students, my self-esteem was so low, I didn't apply it. And so it wasn't until that summer, uh, going from seventh grade to eighth grade, my mother sent me to a church summer camp. And I got around some kids that was positive, that was, you know, with some energy. And I was like, okay, I think I can do better. And so I come back and I go to summer school and start applying myself because I went from a D and E student or Fs, depending on what state you're in, uh, basically a felon student to an AB student in summer school and then went on to eighth grade and graduated top 10% of my class and the rest is history. Went to high school, graduated uh, with honors and then on to college. Uh, But that struggle was major because, you know, at that time, 13, 14 years old, I also was running the streets, drinking, smoking drugs with my friends. And I was definitely around the wrong crowd. But that church experience at that summer camp changed all that when I came back. And so that's that's my story. <laughs> mm-hmm. When when you were struggling, you say you got into involved with the wrong crowd, doing drugs, mm-hmm. alcohol. Why do you think that was? Was it because um, of all the bullying that was going on, or what was it? It was all I saw. You know, growing growing up in that particular neighborhood, that's what we did on that particular street, and so I wasn't exposed to anything different. So I thought that was the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't until I went to church summer camp where I saw something different. You know, I didn't hear all the cussing. It wasn't about, you know, who can do this with what girl. It was like focused on God. It was focused on, you know, getting better grades and, and going off to college. And I'm like, wow, this is a different conversation. So when I came back, I held on to some of those same friends from church, but I also had a different perspective. Uh, and I started to believe in myself because that was the one issue with being illiterate all those years up until 14 years old, I didn't really believe in myself. My self-esteem was low and I started to build that up through reading about David in the Bible and how he defeated Goliath. And from there, I took off. I mean, my mother, she didn't have to tell me to do my homework. I applied myself because I wanted to make something of my life. And so it was on from there and left the friends alone. You know, I remember the last time I was with those group of friends, we were in their basement in Detroit and it was two other guys and we were smoking a joint, uh, you know, marijuana for those that, <laughs> and, you know, the one guy lit it, he passed it to the guy next to him. He passed it to me and I held it and I passed it off. And it was like, you're not going to hit this. You paid for this. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. And they passed it around again. I passed it off. I didn't touch it because I had had a life changing experience a few weeks earlier, but I was still in that environment. And I stood there, I'll never forget, standing in that circle as they were smoking. And I said, I don't belong here. And up those stairs, was the, it was daytime, it was light shining in the door. And I said, just walk away, leave. And I told them, y'all, you know what, fellas, I'm gonna go ahead and get out of here. Uh, they was like, all right, man, you put $5 on this bag, but more for us. And I walked up those stairs and I never looked back and never went back. And that was my last time experiencing drugs and being around the wrong crowd but I had to make that decision for my life good for you what was that push because I know you you went to the church group but was it was it like a process or was it just like one moment you said hey I'm gonna stop it was it was instant it was I mean, obviously that church experience was powerful at that summer camp and it was the real deal. You know, it wasn't just going off to some log cabins and playing in the woods. Mm -hmm. It was a worship experience as well, but 
it was seeing other people, you know, making something of their lives and have a purpose with their life. That's what really touched me. And so when I came back, you know, I wanted to be that, you know, child that would honor their parent. You know, I didn't want to see my mother crying anymore because I was sneaking in the house smelling like, you know, weed and trying to run and jump in the shower. She, she knew all those things that was going on. And coming back, I said, you know what, from this day forward, I got to do what I got to do. And I made that decision, you know, because I knew right from wrong. And from there, and also because I knew how to read at that time, I used to read a lot of Psalms and a lot of stories in the Bible. And I saw how people overcame challenges in their life. And so that was instant, but it was also a process of maintaining, you know, that uh, focus on making something of my life. And I knew it required staying away from the wrong crowd. But at the same time, I had other people, you know, other friends on the block that wasn't doing all that. So I spent more time with them uh, instead of those older ones I was trying to chase that was doing the wrong thing. So I just had to change crowds too, because, you know, friends could be a big influence. Yeah, absolutely. And what can someone do at this moment in time if they're hanging out with the wrong crowd, whether it is drugs or negativity, whatever their friends are doing that they don't like, what can those people do right now to escape that negativity? I think first is to get an accountability partner, connect with someone, whether it's older or someone they know, whether it's a youth pastor or counselor or a, a relative that's doing great things with their life, get someone they can be accountable to, to get advice from. And the other thing is if they're hanging around the road crowd, they just got to cut it off at the limb. You know, they got to cut it off and they got to make a decision that their life is more important than just some moment of pleasure or moment of time. And I understand that sometimes people feel like, I feel like I'm somebody when I'm around these people. Mm -hmm. But if you're around the wrong people, you know, your life can take the wrong turn. And so I would tell them, you know, sometimes you got to just take a stand for your life. And when you do that, it may be a season of loneliness. It may be a season where you're by yourself, but you got to focus on self-development. And then I think, you know, over time, they'll start to connect with the right people. But they have to, number one, get an accountability partner. And number two, they have to make a decision to stand for themselves. And over time, it'll all work out in their favor. And that's so true. One of the guys I interviewed, his name is Ed Cressy. Mm-hmm. He, he was being bullied for quite some time. He felt like he didn't fit in. The first time he touched um, alcohol was at 14 years old. And th- that moment, he felt like he fit in, became alcoholic addicted to drugs decades and decades until he got arrested multiple times and he realized hey this is what he needs to stop he was like you said he was away from his purpose and path that he had before he started drinking just to try to fit in but i want everyone to know that yes it may seem like you're fitting in by doing the drugs by doing the alcohol whatever that your friends want you to do but I'm telling you, once you find the right group of people who accept you for who you are and your purpose, your life will exponentially grow and become better. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that helped me also when I made that decision to walk away from the wrong crowd. I also, at that time, was starting to get a sense of my purpose. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, you know, I wanted to become a school teacher because I had some great, you know, teachers that was an influence to my life. And so I was like, you know what? I could see myself educating. And that's what I went to college for. 
And so during those, you know, middle school years and, and high school years, I was focused on becoming an educator, you know, and later, obviously, once I got to college, that turned into uh, answering the call of God on my life and becoming a pastor, uh, a youth pastor specifically. But I did have a focus of where I wanted to go in life. So that gave me a little bit of a drive as well. So I had a direction. And so I want to encourage people at the same time too to find out their why, why they're here on this planet and focus on that. Because if you have a goal in mind, it's easier to get there if you know the direction you should be headed. And when you see obstacles come, you'll know it's an obstacle because it's not a part of where you're going. Mm -hmm. And let's go back to when you were struggling with uh, reading. What changed? Was there a difference with the tutor or what kind of strategies did you implement that were different that helped you accelerate in your reading? Thank you for asking that question, because that's what a lot of people don't understand uh, when it comes to people with different disabilities. Uh, My mother, when she found this particular program, they did a test and they they discovered that the way I learn is different from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And the way I learn is through memorization. So I may not be good with the vowels or the breaking the word down, but if I hear someone say it, it clicks. And so when they discovered I learned different like that, that's how they taught me. And so the lady that came to the house twice a week for a year straight taught me based on that. And she went back to the basics, but once that foundation was laid, the rest was history. And so I was able to just really excel. Now I had to do a little extra, you know, I had to read more. I had to uh, make sure I did my homework assignments because I always wanted to get ahead because, you know, I didn't read as fast as everybody else. But the more I read, the better my comprehension got and the better I succeeded. So, um, but absolutely, I definitely had to apply myself. But once they discovered my disability, they was able to help me overcome that. So what your recommendation is, is if you're having a hard time in reading, because I honestly did, I failed basically every reading assessment test in elementary school, middle school, and high school. I got passing twos on the Florida assessment test where it depended on moving on to the next level. Mm -hmm. But then I realized at 22, I picked up my first nonfiction book and I love reading. And since, since 22, 23, I've read over 70 or 80 nonfiction books. And I realized that there was nothing wrong with me back then. It was just the material that they were giving me was not that good. I noticed that I liked Nonfiction, something that can apply versus fiction. There's nothing wrong with fiction, but people who are having a hard time reading, what you said, you just have to know who you are and apply those learning principles into uh, what you're trying to learn. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was the one key during the time when she was teaching me how to read Mm -hmm. and when she left, she got me hooked on nonfiction books. And so I could tell you right now, I'm the biggest Michael Crichton fan in the world. Okay, now may he rest in peace, but he's the guy that wrote Jurassic Park and a whole bunch of, you know, Disclosure, some old school movies. Uh, But I probably have every one of his books. So I've read every one of his books. Okay. Uh And so that's what I did during those summers as well. It, I read those nonfiction books and that kept my, you know, it kept me going for the next school year. And so that's one of the things I would recommend. And I even did that when I was a youth pastor with teenagers. I would 
you know, basically pay them or bribe them to read books during the summer and then take them somewhere like to an amusement park if they read a whole book. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know once you find out a passion for reading a particular subject, then it helps you reading, especially if you struggled in that area. Mm -hmm. How did you find your purpose in life? You said when you did go through that church experience, you got closer to your purpose and you help youth right now. Mm -hmm. But was that always your purpose or did it evolve eventually? Well, man, I have to take you back. Surprisingly, it was always there. I just had to discover it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, you know, growing up kind of in the church world and out of the church world, seeing ministers, I wasn't too uh, excited about that. I was like, that doesn't look like a job I want to do. And so I definitely wasn't trying to do that. But I was focused on becoming a school teacher. Uh, and it wasn't until college, my second year of college, that I believe God specifically talked to me and said, you need to accept the call of God on your life and to step into ministry. I wasn't trying to hear that because I didn't have a good outlook of pastors in the sense of thinking their jobs was something, not something I wanted to do. It didn't look like something I want to do in the sense of, you know, now I love it. I love helping people. I know what it is but I never saw pastors appreciated and things of that nature, right? And so, but how I discovered my purpose was realizing it was always there. And for example, I remember when I was eight or nine years old, preaching to the ceiling fan, to the door, like I could see hundreds of people in front of me uh, and I'm just talking to them about the stories of David, what I could, could read, you know, at that time, you know, but I didn't know what that was. Uh, and it wasn't until I was older and I, God had me reflect on those things that I recognized, wow, that was the call of, God, call of God on my life to minister to people and help people and inspire people, but I never knew it. And so when I was in college, though, and being in the church about two or three years solid and really growing in my relationship with Christ, that's when I discovered I definitely had a call of God on my life. Now, my mother knew all those years. That's the funny <laughs> part. She knew and she tells me the story later. She knew I had a calling of God on my life when I was eight or nine years old. So she took me to the pastor and the pastor told her, don't tell him, let him grow, let him learn and let him step into it himself because he may run from it if he feels pressure. So she never did. So when I called my mother, when I was in my second year of college and said, mother, I think I need to leave college and go to Bible school after she didn't pay all this money. I'm thinking I'm about to get told off, if you know what I mean, right? To my surprise, she said, oh, I'm glad you finally accepted that. All right, when you going to make the move? Wow. <laughs> yep, and the rest is history. I, you know, uh, left Michigan State early after two years, went to Bible school, uh, graduated Bible school, went into ministry full-time a few years later, and then went back to college and got my actual degree in pastoral leadership and so I stand before you today after about serving as a youth pastor for 18 years. And now I just serve as a volunteer helping out as I build my career outside of the church. So mm -hmm. That's an incredible story. And purpose is extremely important. And I mention this basically every time I speak. There's this book called uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Victor E. Frankel. And he's a Holocaust survivor. And he realized that the people who lived the longest in those concentration camps are the ones who found meaning early on in their life. 
And while most people are trying to commit suicide, his purpose in those camps were actually to get those people and inspire them not to commit suicide. And after those camps, he realized basically everyone that he loved, his parents, his wife, unborn child, sibling, friends, all were killed in those concentration camps. But he kept on going because his purpose and his meaning in life is what drove him to survive and to make an impact in, in our community. That's awesome. You and know, now the book has sold over 12 million copies. Wow. Wow. And, you know, when you talk about purpose and meaning, um, I developed a mission statement for my life. Mm-hmm. And so that is inspiring people to live their life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. So everything I do is connected to that mission statement. If it's not to accomplish that, I'm not going to do it, you know? And so on my current job, uh, you know, like I, I work for a nonprofit and I do career advancement training for people that want to go from entry level to supervisor level on their job. And so they're in a six week boot camp with me. Um, and they learn all this material, basically growth mindsets and behavioral skills and technical skills on their job to be able to go, go into management. Well, guess what? That's a part of my mission statement, inspiring people to live their life to the fullest. And then when I go and do a motivational talk, same thing. When I go and preach somewhere, same thing. And so it's different branches, but they're, they're you know, and they're impacting different people, but it's still connected to that main mission statement for my life. You know, I'm reminded of a quote by Tony Robbins. He says, where your focus goes, your energy flows. Absolutely. And so for anybody, that, or especially any young person that's listening to this podcast or watching the video, I want to encourage you, like that statement says, it says, where your focus goes, your energy flows. And so if you don't know your purpose, I want you to just take time to focus on your passions, focus on your talents. And from there, I think eventually what will evolve out of that is your purpose, your meaning for life. And so, and don't overthink it because I know we have some overthinkers out there, uh, but it can be something very, very simple. And so, for example, I believe I'm called to specifically do motivational talks. I'm not doing that full time yet, but at the same time, I'm doing it on the side. Eventually I want that to turn into that. It's really the grace of God. I found a job where I'm still making an impact by using my voice. And so it takes time. It's not an overnight thing, but you got to be patient with yourself. But at the same time, remember where your focus goes, your energy flows. And so what that really means to me is that if I continue to focus on that particular thing, my energies will all come together to focus on accomplishing that thing. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard if you're trying to do a million things at once. So if you have a few different things, I think over time, as you focus on that thing, you'll start to accomplish that thing and everything will work out in your favor. Mm-hmm. I also I also believe that it's all about experimentation if you don't know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Absolutely. Um, kind of like a scientific experiment. You experiment to see what's right and what's wrong. Same thing about what you like and what you don't like. Experiment with reading, experiment with speaking, experiment with sports, experiment with math, whatever it is, experiment a hundred different things that one thing could be your purpose and the thing you do for the rest of your life. Absolutely. You know, you know, Thomas Edison said, you know, I didn't, you know, I found 10,000 ways it didn't work, you know, and I'm not quoting it correctly, but (laughs) (laughs) basically he didn't give up, you know, his mindset was I'm still going to accomplish this thing when he was looking to, you know, obviously, you know, invent the light bulb or whatever. And so instead of him saying, Oh man, I failed 10,000 times. I'm not going to make it. No, he says, 
I found 10,000 ways it didn't work. So he kept trying. And that's the, that's the key, I believe, that for a lot of us is not letting fear take over. You know, is overcoming fear. You know, as they say, fear is false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of failures occur is because of fear. You know, uh, well, a failure happens all the time, but you won't even get to the failure part if you allow fear to take over because you won't even, even attempt it. Mm-hmm. So that's for me, like whenever I'm dealing with something, I'm like, why am I hesitate, hesitating on updating my resume? What am I in fear of? So I have to really overcome yeah. that challenge by going at it full force. Mm-hmm. And now let's talk about your TikTok. Right now, I think you have 25, 26,000 followers on TikTok in just mm-hmm. a couple months. How did you get started with that? Oh, man, I appreciate you asking that question. I actually had a 15-year-old uh, I was talking to back in uh, like February 28th or so and of 2020. He said, hey, you know, I was actually talking to him to ask him for his advice because I believe in asking young people what they think. Uh, that comes from my youth pastor experience. And I said, hey, man, I'm looking to make some YouTube videos to reach young people. What are some subjects I should talk about? And he said, oh, relationships, friendships. I said, okay, great. I said, okay, cool. I'm going to do that. And I said, I'm going to send you the video after I make it. I want to get your opinion. He says, you ever heard of TikTok? I said, tick a what? <laughs> He's, and I said, is that musically? He says, no, it's new. It's, it's two apps combined and you need to check it out. So he shows me a few guys that he listens to that does motivational speaking on TikTok, even though TikTok is more entertainment, things of that nature, funny stuff, entertainment. And he said, I think you would do well on that. And so a few days later, I made my first TikTok video, which is like technically uh, a minute long. And I said, okay, I'll get us to try. But it wasn't until, until a few days later, I said, it's only a minute long. Let me, for the next 90 days, let me test this TikTok thing. And I decided to make a video a day. I said, you know, I'm supposed to be this motivational speaker, this preacher. I should be able to inspire people at least for not, technically it's 59 seconds each day. And so I knew that was going to take a commitment, but I did it. And after 60 days, I found myself with 10,000 followers because of that consistency. And I did it for a few reasons. I did it to make an impact. And I did it also to, uh, you know, get my name out there so I can eventually go and see people in person. Um, But on the other side of, yeah, I know 25,000 is, is, Seems like a lot, you know, and I'm not comparing myself to other people because that's where you lose your joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. But I am shocked as well that I met 26,000 people after 90 days. Uh, And for me, I look at it as I'm making an impact and helping people in some type of way, you know, because I do motivational and spiritual uh, enrichment videos on a daily basis. And now I'm I'm cutting back a little bit to do maybe every other day uh, because I want to focus more on quality instead of quantity. I'm, I'm surprised too, but the most awesome part about it is the, the DMs I'm getting from people, you know, uh, from uh, people of all religions, from atheists, from people that uh, struggled with different things saying, wow, your video really helped me. And so I'm just trying to add value to people and help people. Mm-hmm. Second to last question, out of all your TikTok videos, what would you say is your most favorite video? <laughs> <laughs> it has to be the uh videos on god's point of view on sex 
Uh-huh. And so those are definitely the videos that are connecting with the young people. Um, but, you know, you have to really get to the point in a minute. So those have been some of my favorite and highest uh, view videos. And then I'm making some other videos on like uh, five things to quit. That's definitely my, my all time. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm coming with more of those. And so people are really, are really saying it's really helping them. And so I'm trying to focus more on what will help people. And so uh, I have a lot in me, uh, but, you know, balancing married life, father life, uh, work life, you know, you got to balance it all out. And yeah. So I'm enjoying it, though, because I'm loving seeing people's lives change. And that's through TikTok. And I'm surprised as you. <laughs> and last question, actually, the second to last question. That was the third to last question. But do you have any last tips for teenagers who are struggling right now, either with reading, um, having a single mom or dad? Um, we didn't get into that story, but um, either bullying or drug alcohol addiction. Do you have any last tips for those teenagers? You know, it's something, you know, we were talking about earlier is I want them to know that they're not alone, mm-hmm. um, that there is somebody out there that is willing to you know, walk with you and help you, but you have to speak up for yourself. You have to advocate for yourself. And I would encourage them, whether it's um, a family member that you know that's very positive or doing well, or, um, you know, a counselor, or maybe even a youth pastor, connect with someone and let them know where you're struggling so that you can get that support and help. I call it an accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife have, we have a couple accountability partner. I have a male accountability partner. And so, you need that help, but you have to speak up and advocate for yourself. So I want to encourage them to do that. But at the same time, I want them to know that their life is meaningful and that they're here on this earth for a reason. And I want them to make a decision today to take hold of their purpose, take hold of their destiny and say, you know what, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it. And, you know, start, you know, I listen to podcasts that build me up. Um, that encourage me. I watch, you know, motivational videos. I do this almost every day to keep me encouraged so that I can continue to uh, try to achieve great things. And so I want to encourage them to do those things because uh, their life is in their hands and it's going to be awesome, but they have to take control and go after, Mm -hmm. you know, go after what they want and they can do it. I, I truly believe in them. I mean, I know you're like me, it's like if we could take every young person and hold them and encourage them, we will. Yeah. But I want them to know that they can achieve great things and that there's greatness on the inside of them, but they're going to have to take the first step. And after that, it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. You, you hit it right on because, man, I sucked at public speaking in the beginning. I was always bullied for the way I spoke. I was in speech therapy class for seven years. Uh, like like you, I uh, failed every single reading test I sucked at writing and look I'm speaker I'm become, becoming an author and releasing my book very soon awesome. so your weakness right now or whatever struggle you're going through you just have to take that first step I had no idea how it's going to get better but eventually you start finding the answers but a massive action is the key you act 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 and you experiment on what you're good at and how you can get better and eventually things will start to click. Absolutely. And they have to be patient with themselves. You know, mm-hmm. don't quit. Don't give up. You know, be patient with, the, with yourself because we all make mistakes. This is, you know, life is a journey. And take it one step at a time and know that 
you know, this thing is going to take time, but it's going to be worth it. Mm -hmm. So definitely want young people to achieve greatness. Mm -hmm. So resiliency is my whole brand, uh, overcoming your struggles uh, to accomplish greatness. What does resiliency mean to you? Man. Wow. Not giving up in the face of a challenge, um, being driven. Sometimes you have to do a pivot shift to uh, take a different journey, go that next step. Uh, sometimes you may even need to take a break and relax and get your sanity back so that you can get the strength and the mental fortitude to go even harder um, because we're not robots. I understand the concept of grind, 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 but sometimes you need to rest, 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 okay? Even God rested on the seventh day, right? And so I would encourage them to, you know, just take the time for themselves, and but also, you know, know that they have greatness on the inside of them and they can do it. So for me, it's knowing that you have it on the inside of you and then also uh, taking it a day at a time to accomplish great things. Because remember, Rome wasn't built overnight. So it's going to take time, but don't give up. Mm-hmm. And Lou, where can people find you? They can find me at loujones.com. Uh, they can find me on all social media sites at Lou Jones Inspires. And um, feel free to uh, look me up, reach out to me because I'm here to help and assist and we can get this thing done. Let's go. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you, Lou, so much for doing this interview. I strongly believe we have a great synergy. We have a lot in common. And thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. The biggest takeaway I want you to have from listening to this podcast, whether you're struggling with reading, whether you're struggling with school as a whole, or a particular subject, is you must discover your learning style. What Lou did for 14 years of his life, he didn't know how to read, and he kept it a secret. He had many tutors. He went to private school. For years and years and years, his mom tried so hard to get him to read and learn how to read. But once he discovered his learning style, he was reading in the seventh grade at a ninth grade reading level. And that can happen to you. And it's not going to happen right off the bat. Some people might jump ahead of you in school and make straight A's or get on a roll. But you must know what your learning style is because what your learning style is might be different than 90% of the other kids in your class. So don't be ashamed of it. Start experimenting with the different learning styles. Some people might be an auditory learner and some people might be a visual learner. Discover what that is for you and just run with it and watch you significantly improve in whatever subject you're trying to get better at. There's only a couple more weeks left of the 50% discount of my new online program, Building Resilience 101. Lou and I were talking about finding your purpose in life. And once you find that purpose in your life and you find your calling, then a lot of your struggles don't go away, but you find a way to overcome those struggles because now you have a meaning. Now you have direction on where you want to go in your life. So if you want to find your purpose, Building Resilience One-on-One Online Program will help you do so. And I'm, going to, I'm providing you with a 50% discount. So check it out in the description. And until next time, peace.